If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 12? The splendor behind the impoverished immortal woman, woman, excuse me. This is part two. I started here two weeks ago. And last time we were here, as we were here in Revelation chapter 12, I spoke about there's many people that will tell you that God, how can I know the God of the Bible is real? And you can give them one answer, Israel. Israel. It does not make sense that the Israelites have lasted for over 3,000 years, and yet they are still in history. They're still alive today. They're still numerous. They're still numerous, excuse me, but they're also still few. As the video showed, exactly as God promised. The promises of God for Israel are exactly what we see today for Israel. And it doesn't make sense. You have the Roman Empire, massive, massive empires, and they're no more. But Israel's still here. Our God has preserved a people. And I'm going to talk more about that tonight, but as we think about it, and I'm going to talk more about Israel, but this is the key I want us to think about. Israel has royally messed up. I mean, they are in shambles today, spiritually. If you as a Christian try to go to Israel and start talking to people about Jesus, the Messiah, they won't be very friendly to you. And <clears throat> in fact, if you're, if you're good, I mean, if you get a good outcome, they'll just kick you out of the country. They might seek to kill you. The sentiments in Israel is for Judaism, not for Jesus. And this passage of Scripture tonight tells us and a remarkable thing is we're going to talk about Israel. I'm going to explain why I'm ex- exactly it is Israel. And there's several things if, uh, that I'm going to skip over because I dealt with those last time. But what we find is that even despite Israel's gross idolatry. The future is going to look better. The brightest days are still ahead for Israel. You as a Christian can royally mess up. But there's coming some brighter days ahead. If we are willing to do what Israel does at the end of the tribulation period. It is a story we like, you know, sometimes those hallmark endings where everything turns out happy. Well, in Israel's case, yes, and and there's a little bit of caveat with that, okay? Because there's a lot of Jewish people that are going to die without Christ, and they're going to go to hell. But there's a large national repentance at the end of the tribulation, and they will finally realize as Jesus comes back that he is their Messiah, a national repentance and the times of the Gentiles are no more. It's exciting days we live in. The, past, the highlight of to this evening's message is Israel. She is the sun-clothed woman, woman, as we'll see in Scripture. She is not as the apostates teach some other entity. And I'm going to talk about some of the heresies uh, of where they talk about this woman, the sun-clothed woman, such as this Catholic Church will try to espouse a very heretical apostate view. 
But Israel is a living testament, a living truth to the authority and the, the credibility of the Bible and our God. The Bible is truth and we must follow it. And with those words, let's go to the Lord and ask for his... Actually, let's read uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And there's a lot in this verse. It talks about Satan and all sorts of things. We're not going to deal with all those tonight. Those are subsequent messages. And, and I'm excited on this passage. And, and I think probably my favorite verse in this passage is verse 11. But let's read verses 1 through 6. I'm excited on this. Verse 1, Revelation chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne, and the woman fled in the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's three and a half years in the Jewish calendar, which their calendar is 360 days, ours is 365. Just a note for you. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you on a passage of Scripture that may seem very uh, unclear. But Lord, as we look at the Scriptures, we look at the passages, the cross-references, Lord, it becomes very apparent who this woman is. It also becomes very apparent, Lord, that you have never failed your promise to Abraham. Lord, your character is steadfast, unmoving. It's true. It's foundational. It's anchoring. And it's our hope. And so, Father, tonight as we come before your holy word, I pray that you'd help me as I preach your word. What a privilege it is. Lord, I pray as we look at this that our hearts would be stirred to realize what an amazing God you are. And the hope that we can have in you, Father, you take over. I pray that you'd preach through my lips, and Lord, that your name would be lifted up and glorified. And Oh God, we need you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to meet, and Lord, for those you've brought out, and those that may be watching. And so, Father... I give it into thy hands, and you take over and will follow. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. When you think about this, the identity of the woman appeared a, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of, of twelve stars. I dealt with last time, verse 2, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, paid to be delivered. And, uh, and then you also find, uh, verse 5, she brought forth a man-child who was a rule all nation with a rod of iron. Verse 4. 
uh, woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, what child do we find in the Bible that as soon as it was born was sought to be destroyed? It was the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That Herod tried to kill all boys two and under. Think of the massive infanticide. Then to rule all nations with a rod of iron, that's our blessed Savior. Now there's something interesting here. In verse 1, the sun-clothed woman. The woman clothed with the sun. Now we find, in, look with me at Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. We find many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, under Joseph, he had a dream with this idea of moon and stars and sun. And uh, the 12 tribes. I just want to give a, an identity of who this woman is. Very clearly who this woman is. Jeremiah, excuse me, Genesis 37.9. Genesis 37.9. And he dreamed, he had another dream, and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And uh, we find here this idea of the eleven stars. And there's some celestial entity but as Israel, as we're going to find out, the, the greatness behind Israel is not Israel. And that's what the Jews today think, that Israel is great because of their father Abraham. Israel isn't great because of their father Abraham. Israel is great because of the God of Abraham who gave them the promises. They only exist today because of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's the only reason why they're still even around. It's not because of Abraham had some great thing. You know, Abraham was a man of faith. He left Ur of the Chaldees. He was a man that believed the Lord and was accounted unto him for righteousness. He was saved. But Abraham was only as great, was not great in and of himself, just as you and I aren't great of ourselves. Our greatness isn't us. Our greatness is our God. And so here, Israel is seen in great glory, the sun-clothed woman. And the sun, the brightness behind her. Look with me at Revelation 21, 23. Israel's grandeur and all of the opulence and all of her brilliance and the light that, that emanates from Israel today. And why is there such animosity to Israel as the very Bible tells us? Well, we understand that Israel's radiance, as she's going to have someday... Revelation 21, 23. The city had no need of, of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of, the, uh, glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The sun. I mean, it's just this radiant thing going on in Israel's. I want you to look with me in Isaiah, really Israel's history in a nutshell, in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 15. I want you to take this to note tonight. And maybe there's times you're saying, I don't know if I can trust this book. I don't know if God really cares about me. I want you to know right now that those are lies of Satan. Those are absolutely not true. This is God's book. It is true. And God definitely cares about you. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 15, Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles and shalt suck the breasts of kings, and thou shalt know 
that I, the Lord, and thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, and the Mighty One of Jacob. They haven't figured that out yet. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood brass, and for stones iron. I will also make thy officers peace, and thine exactors righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. Because in this place where they're going to be, Jesus is there. There's salvation, there's praise, there's protection. You are no safer than in the center of God's will close to Jesus, abiding in him. And the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Verse 20. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. And the days of thy morning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. Man, if that doesn't get you, I mean, that ought to get you excited. He said there's no more mourning. There's no more violence. I mean, how often is it that if we look in the news today, Israel is having mortar attacks, and there's people, suicide bombers, and all sorts of things going on in Israel today. It's kind of Israel's history in a nutshell and their future prominence. The Lord God is a sun and shield, as uh, Psalm 84.11 says. For the Lord uh, God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will, we, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, to the very thing we find here, the crown of 12 stars. In Revelation 12.1, at the end of it, we find in Genesis 37.9, Joseph would mention the 11 stars and himself. So that's 12. Now, it also says in Isaiah 62, verses 2 and 3, if you're still there in Isaiah, you can turn with me to Isaiah 62, verses 2 and 3. I'm just doing this. Uh, I'm mentioning all these verses because I want you to just realize I'm not making statements that are out of, that are out of context, but they're exactly what God had prophesied long ago. He's saying again here in Revelation, and he's emphasizing how wonderful Israel is because of what he has done through them. In Isaiah 62, verse 2, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. A crown. It talks here, a crown of 12 stars. In Zechariah 9.16, The Lord their God shall save them that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon this land. Now, Turn with me here to Zechariah. I want to show you this. Who else could this be talking about? You might be saying, well, I can understand that. And they, who's the they? I mean, you're reading a verse, but what is the context that is given here? And it's important that you have the context. If someone doesn't want to give the context, uh, or they give it out of context, that's a major error. Because if you don't give the context on a particular passage, uh, or uh, you are misinterpreting the, the, the context, you're doing great damage to the Word of God. You're twisting it. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it gives us clarity on who this they is. 
And it says in verse 9 of Zechariah 9, Zechariah 9, 9, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew. Matthew. Go back to the book of Matthew. Go back two books. I'll give you a moment to get there. But in verse 9 of Zechariah, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Well, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And then in verse 16, And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown. That's none other than Israel. Verse 10, and In the same passion, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle. Bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth. Guess what? There's coming a day there'll be a global dominance of our Savior. We're going to have a perfect government someday. I'm going to have a perfect king who's not out for just political pandering. He's not out there for his own political exploits. He's out there as the God who created this world, who, want, who made this world, and he declared it very good. That's going to be our king. And he promised in Malachi, turn with me to Malachi, the next book over, Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts in that day, when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that served him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Israel's going to return someday. Now, I want you to notice with me something that's said here. And so these crown, this woman with the sun clothing, it's the, the light behind her, is you find, I mean, just as the imagination you think about as you look at this, the sun-clothed woman, I mean, she just has a brightness behind her. She has a crown of 12 stars. It is Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel. This is none other than Israel. It has to be. But also look with me at verse 17 of Revelation 12. It mentions, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Who is this? The true woman as the remnant. And now, the remnant is more than Israel in general. That they are of the woman, Israel, is clear. However, this remnant are those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. These are clearly Jews who have converted to Christ. One of the great purposes of the tribulation is precisely to bring Israel to her knees, to her face, and she will cry out to God in repentance, and she will confess that the Messiah is Jesus and Jesus alone. The, the tribulation period is a time of God's judgment on this world, but it's also to end the times of the Gentiles and to make the promise to Abraham a fulfillment. And Jesus is going to be in charge. There's a remnant here. 
As the two witnesses preached and the 144,000 are converted, they in turn fan out preaching the gospel to the Jew first and then to any Gentiles that will listen. I want to tell you there's 144,000 Jewish young men, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel. That's exactly what the Bible says. 12,000 from every tribe and they're going to preach. Man, they're evangelists. They're preaching this world. You and I, if you're a believer now, we're already raptured to heaven. We're out of here. But Jesus, in the last days of humanity, He still wants people to be saved. Please! I mean, you're going to have over half the world's population destroyed. I mean, our God is zealous for people to know Him. Oftentimes the prophets would promise a remnant of Israel would be saved and return to the land. Isaiah 37, the remnant that has escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. Jeremiah 23, 3, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Israel has been, I mean, just absolutely scattered. There's a term for them, the diaspora, but they've just scattered throughout the world. He says in Jeremiah 31, 7, the end of I'll save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Ezekiel 14, 22, yet behold, therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth, both sons and daughters. He says in the latter portion, ye shall be comforted concerning the evil that I brought upon Jerusalem. Joel chapter 2, verse 32, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Micah chapter 2, verse 12, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. The verse goes on. Micah 4, 7, and I will make her that halted a remnant. Micah 5, 3, the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. That's the last portion of that verse. Micah 5, 7 through 8 talks about it again. The remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord. And verse 8 of Micah 5, And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest. Zephaniah 3.13, the remnant of Israel shall do no iniquity. Zechariah 8.12, he says at the end of verse 12, I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. Over and over and over again, he mentions a remnant. God's promise to Abraham is still standing. God's promise that you and I will have everlasting life, it still stands. It's not changing. Yes, I fail Him. Yes, I'm not all that I wish I was and that He wants me to be. I'm still growing. But I want to tell you, His promises don't change. Israel is still here. Our God is still the God of Abraham. He's still the God that made that covenant. He doesn't change and He doesn't break promises. A little commentary on this. The splendor and fullness of governmental authority on earth belongs, to, belongs by God's sovereign appointment to Israel and the restoring of the kingdom to Israel under Christ is a subject before us in this part of the Revelation, says commentator Newell. This is the glory of the true spiritual Israel that fears and loves God, uh, her God. The, womb, the remnant that keeps His commandments of God has the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is none other than converted Israel as God sees in his foreknowledge. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The context proves that it is Israel. I want you to know one thing. 
Sometimes people will say, I believe that here in, in Revelation, this passage is talking about the church. It's not talking about the church. Revelation 2, Revelation 3 talks about churches. Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 19, it's all Israel. It doesn't talk about the church. And the institution of local churches... Beginning in chapter 6, opens the seals, the context is Israel, and the judgments, 144,000. Now, I want you to know, let's look with me. I want to show you who a true Jew is. Look with me at Romans chapter 2, verse 28. There can be confusion on what is a Jew. And, I mean, there's ethnicity, there's cultures, I understand that. But we are not, yes, we might be culturally some group of people. But my true identity and my true person is who I am and what I do with Jesus. Look with me at Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men of God. So a Jew, true Jew is a person who is ethnically Jewish, but also spiritually born again. But he also says here, he's a Jew which is one inwardly. Circumcision is that of the heart. Listen, it tells us in Scripture that we are grafted in to the very promises of Abraham. It tells us what is a true Jew in this verse. In the spirit and not in the letter. And just because that might be your cultural heritage, listen, I can enter into the promises there. In Romans chapter 9, verse 6, look with me at another thing here. I mean, he, he says in verse 29, it's, it's a matter of the heart whether I'm really a true Jew. But it's still not replacing. There are some that like to say, well, okay, then now the church has replaced Israel. The church has replaced Abraham. And that's not true. We haven't replaced Abraham. We haven't replaced the Abrahamic covenant. It's still standing. But Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall they see be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of the promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac. And it goes on and it, it gives, not all Israelites are Jews. You can read through that in your own time for the context of that. But I just wanted to say that just because they might be, people say, well, in the, just because they're Jewish and, and then they're in the tribulation, all of Israel, all of those who are uh, culturally Jewish, they will be saved. No, they won't. Just as you and I, just because you come to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. Just because in the Old Testament, Israel wandered in the wilderness, just because God delivered them from Egypt, doesn't mean they had a real relationship with God. You can grow up in church. <coughs> you can do the things of God. But it doesn't make you a Christian if you <coughs> never put your faith in God. Many, I mean, I grew up going to church. I mean, from the time I was a little baby... I was in church. I think my mother had me. I was born. And then probably a week or two later, I was in church. I was in the nursery. But that didn't make me a Christian. 
Look with me at Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. You know, in Acts chapter 17, God hath made of one blood all nations of men. So whatever culture we come from, we still bleed red. We're one race, the human race. And we're all equal. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Now, what is this? What are you talking about? Why is circumcision such a big thing in Scripture? You're like, Pastor, that's kind of a gruesome act. And it is. But what he's saying here is the Abrahamic covenant was given to Israel to exercise as a sign of the covenant given to Abraham. I mean, it's it's, it's a promise, and it was supposed to be done on the eighth day. And it's remarkable that on the eighth day is the highest vitamin K an infant child will ever have. That's the exact day, and which helps in the healing process. It's remarkable. You think our Lord knew what he was doing. (laughs) I say that quite, I mean, (laughs) with all sincerity in the idea, he knows exactly what he's doing. Now, Galatians 16, and as many as walked according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. You see, following the Mosaic law doesn't age you. The nation, the nation of Israel is a, is a lost nation. They remove their heart from him. Isaiah 29, 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me. This is Isaiah 29, 13. And with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Listen, people can tell you how to pray. People can tell you what you ought to do, the good Christian thing to do. It's good to go to church and read your Bible and pray, and it is. But it's not if your heart isn't given to God and you're living in rebellion to God. You can do things as a mechanical exercise. I went to church for years before I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, I did the prayers and I did all that stuff, but I didn't know Him. Israel is a lost nation. And many Jews only give lip service. They will pray, I believe in the God of Abraham, and yet they don't want Christians with the Bible to preach God's word to them. They want to kill them. You know what? In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, there's coming a day when all those in Israel, ethnic Jews in the promised land, will have a heart for Christ. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, I want to show you this. You know what? When Jesus reigns, there's going to (laughs) be, there will be some during the millennial kingdom, and we'll talk about that down the road, but there will be some that will ally themselves with Satan. There will be no Satan. Satan will be chained up during the millennial reign until the end when God releases him, and there's a massive war, and it will be massive bloodshed. I don't understand how Jesus can be your ruler of the national king of kings and the children of of, of people living on earth at that time and, and will be there with the Lord, and how people can just say Jesus isn't a good government. He's not a good king. I don't understand. He's the perfect king. He's the perfect savior. But you know what? What it shows us is man has in his heart a natural tendency to selfishness and rebellion. We're born wicked sinners. 
Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. There's coming a day when all Israel will have a heart for God. And in addition here, I just want to say also that this fact that is the, the remnant is not the church today. I want to show you clearly from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20. Some have asserted that this remnant must be the church, but the church is gone. You can't make that statement. I mean, you can make the statement, but it's false. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20, he tells us very clearly who this remnant are, the remnant of her seed. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decree shall overflow with righteousness. They're going to return to all of the land someday that was promised to Abraham. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. Look with me here. Chapter 11, verse 10. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse. I wonder who that could be. Which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Which shall be left from Assyria, and from Egypt, from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. That can be none other than Israel. It has to be. Now, I come to the counterfeit woman. The woman clothed with the sun is Israel. Some think that this woman typifies the Holy Spirit. But the other, the woman is the mother of the man-child, who is the Messiah. I'm reading for you here from uh, James McConkie in his book of Revelation. He says, neither, uh, let me go for it, whom we have seen to be Christ and the Holy Spirit is never called the mother of Christ. Never. That's blasphemous. Others see in the woman a type of the church, but neither is the church the mother of Christ. She's called the bride of Christ, but never the mother of Christ. She springs from Christ, not Christ from her. On the other hand, Christ was born of Israel after the flesh. He was a true Israelite, the son of David, and the future king of his people. Hence, Israel would seem to clearly fulfill the details of this picture of this mystical woman, and the weight of evidence seems to favor this identification. Now, the Roman Catholic Church claims, in Revelation 12, describes Mary as the queen of heaven. This is heresy. It cannot be a description of Mary, She is never described in these terms anywhere in Scripture. Israel is described in a similar manner as we have seen. It cannot be Mary because that is a heretical doctrine that has no support in Scripture. Mary of Scripture is not immaculate. Now, what is immaculate? It means like perpetual virgin. You read in Scripture, Mary had children. She married, had children. The Catholic Church likes to tell you Jesus was her only son and she's the mother of God. No, she's not. She is never called the mother of God. And she says in Luke, the mother 
of my, I, believe, I think it's Luke chapter, I think it's Luke 2.47, if my memory corrects. It's not that. <laughs> but she says, the mother of my Lord. She's not the mother of God. I'll get that verse for you. It's escaping me right now. But as the angels speak into her, she is overwhelmed. Let me see if I can find that. Maybe it's... Here we go. In verse one, chapter 1, verse 47. That's what it was. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. That's what Mary said. That's the correct statement. In God my Savior. She didn't say... I'm the mother of God. She never said that. The only mention of a believer sitting with Christ on his throne is in Revelation 3.21 and refers to every believer that overcomes. The only mention of the Queen of Heaven in Scripture is the wicked goddess that was, a worship, that was worshipped by the apostate Jews in Jeremiah's day. I want to show you a couple things here in Jeremiah. Turn with me to Jeremiah 7.18. It cannot be Mary. It, never, it cannot be. Jeremiah 7, 18. So the concept of the Immaculate Virgin or Immaculate, whatever they call, uh, Mary is completely a false theology that really makes Mary a pagan goddess. And I don't know about you, but my, my Jesus does not come from some pagan goddess. Jeremiah 7, 18, And the children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. God is angry that this is the queen of heaven. Look with me at Jeremiah 44, verse 17. It is, it's, it's paganism. It's it's, it's unadulterated paganism is really what that is in this doctrine of Mary as being someone to pray to, as someone to venerate, to pray. I mean, Mary would say, God, my Savior. I think that's pretty clear. She realized I had a need to be saved. She was a fallen human being as you and I. Jeremiah 44, 17, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven, to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. Since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. It's not Mary. In addition... Mary never fled into the wilderness for 1,260 days. Yes, she and Joseph would go to Egypt. Matthew 2, for a short while. Matthew 2, 13 through 15. You can read that. For the sake of time, I won't go into it this evening. But another heresy is in the middle of the week. The two wonders will appear in heaven. For John is back again. And, and there's this idea that first will be a sun-clothed woman. Who does a sun-clothed woman represent? Some would have us believe that this woman is the Virgin Mary, others that she represents the church. Those who say she represents the church claims she represents a visible or outward church, and her child represents the true church, or those who are caught up at the rapture. If this be true, and the child I'm reading for you, and the child is not caught out until the middle of the week, then the church will have to go halfway through the tribulation. 
The fact is the woman is not the Virgin Mary or the church. She is Israel. We have only to be reminded of Joseph's dream there in Genesis 37, 9. In conclusion this evening, Israel's in the mess they are today because of idolatry. They turn their back on God to go after materialism and comfort. They go after other religions, and they refuse God, and they're a mess. I mean, Israel is a literal mess today. Politically, I mean, they're always trying to make peace agreements. I mean, I I listen to this story of Benjamin Netanyahu as he talks about all the concessions. We'll give up the West Bank. We'll give up Gaza. We'll give up this land. We'll give up this land. I mean, they're always, people are always saying, we want more and more and more and more and more of Israel's land until Israel is no more. That's exactly what they want. I mean, they're continually making concessions. They're not at the lead of the nations. They're at the mercy of the nations trying to stay in existence. And the only reason why they survive is because of God. But what this passage of Scripture here and this sun-clothed woman, it shows you know, that Israel's been scattered all over the world, but they trace a heritage more than 3,500 years ago to a man who stepped out in faith toward a mysterious land that God promised him. And he believed God. He just simply believed God. Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees. And he left. I'm going to make you a, uh, you know, a father of many nations, a father of, 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 of you know, many children. You'll have many, many children. And ultimately, the promise would come fulfillment in the Messiah. But there's, I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of that covenant there in Genesis 15. But nevertheless, God made a promise to a people. They're a mess right now. But the day will come when they will repent. (laughs) And they're going to be the wonder of the nations. You said, Pastor, I don't really care about all this stuff about Israel. How does it really help me in my day-to-day life? How does it help me with struggles I'm going through? What does it matter, all of this stuff? There's several things. Number one... This book makes promises because of the God who inspired this book. It'll come true. Number two, your life might be an absolute mess, but the path back into the good graces of God, as we'll find with Israel, is repentance. You need to understand that I'm living in a way that is not right, and I'm just going to do what God says is right. You also need to understand that when your life is in opposition of God, there is consequences. You cannot escape God's perfectly just hand of punishment. If we disobey the Lord, there's going to be consequences. If if I tell my daughter, don't put your hand on the top of the stove, the little red light that says still hot or whatever it says, I think I'm just going to trust the sensor saying it's still hot. Don't touch it. Well, we told you, don't touch it. And so often we as believers say, well, God doesn't really mean don't touch the iron. God doesn't really mean don't touch the stove. It can't really be that hot. I mean, that, that's got to be lying. This book, it's old. It doesn't really apply to today. <laughs> oh, my friend, it still applies. 
Jesus was attacked, he was maligned, he was sought out for infanticide, he was ultimately killed in, this adult, in his adult life. But his death is the ultimate defeat of the very enemy who has from time immemorial sought to destroy Israel because Israel, from Israel would come the Messiah. From Israel will come the one day king of kings. He's going to stand at the head of the nations. You see, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is our hope. You said, how does that help me when the bills are mounting up? How does that help me when struggles and trials of life? My friend, you've got to learn how to have a relationship with the almighty God, the Savior, the Creator, Jesus Christ. You've got to learn. This book is true. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're playing with your future. Don't gamble on your future. Tonight, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, why not tonight just bow your head and ask God to forgive you of all your sins and you realize that you deserve God's punishment and you realize Jesus, He paid it all for me. I'm guilty in God's courtroom, but I'm forgiven in God's courtroom because the, there was a mediator, there was a Messiah who stood up in my place perfect and He says, I will pay for all of Chris's sins and I'll pay for all of your sins. And you just say, God, forgive me. Would you put your faith in Him tonight in Christian? I want us to never lose hope. Don't ever lose hope that this book is the answer for life. This book gives us hope. This book gives us comfort and rest because it, it's alive. The Holy Spirit of God speaks through this book and it helps you in every area of life. How to be a better parent. How to be a better spouse. How to be a better employee. How to be a better citizen. How to be a better church member. How to love God. It tells you all of that. God doesn't change. I think it's time that we get in this book and study it. And know how great our God is. And someday Israel, when she repents nationally, she's going to find, oh my, Oh my, we've rejected the Messiah for too long. Tonight, would you not reject the Messiah? Christian, let us shout for joy. The woman is Israel. She's persevered because of the God behind Israel. You can persevere in this life because of the God behind you, because of the God before you, because of the God who leads you. Where he leads me, I will follow. And with those words, I come to the, the invitation this evening. My friend, would you put your faith in God? As we come to the invitation period tonight, isn't this exciting? The splendor of the impoverished, immortal woman. And she's only that way because of the great God that made the promises. And my friend, you too can know that God. If you've never put your faith in Him, do so tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, however the Lord spoke to you tonight, I pray this encouraged your heart lifted you up, comforted you that God is still God and God is still in control.